As I said last week, we all have a deep need for peace. It's obvious. I mean, this yearning for peace is at the core of who we are. Now, as Christians, a central biblical belief is that we are not the product of many random accidents over millions of years of evolution. We believe, and I spoke of this with the children, we believe that every human being was created on purpose. That everyone, no matter what they look like or what they've been through, everyone was created and has inherent dignity, value, and worth. Because unlike everything else in creation, we were made in God's image. Now, being made in God's image is a profound mystery. So we're not going to unpack this all and figure this all out this morning. But the way I kind of take it, and in a very kind of easy way at, at this point in time, is that, that we're made in God's image means that, that only God is God. And we will never be God. But we are a lot like God. We are somehow like God. See, it's been said that the, the apple, right, the proverbial apple, doesn't fall far from the tree. That children often look like and act like their parents. So we, too, are to look like and act like our Heavenly Father. And as we read the Bible, we learn about our God. And we learn that we have a God of peace. That's where it starts. So we have a God of peace. We see this truth in Philippians chapter 4 and Hebrews 13 and actually many other places in the Bible. So we come to understand that since our maker, you know, the master artist, our creator, is a God of peace, that we as his image bearers are to be people of peace. Does that make sense? I think it's, yeah. We've got a peace. We're made in his image. We're to be people of peace. Peace is at the core of who God is. And therefore, it's a core, central part of who we are, of our identity and our longing in the world. Like we said, it's obvious 
this longing for peace, peace in the world and peace in us, in here. We all want that. I'm trying to get across the message that that we were hardwired for peace. And that's why we want peace so much. See, from the beginning, peace was to be uh, very multi-dimensional, uh, relational, profound in, in every way. So we were intended to have peace with God. Peace within. Peace with others. And even peace with the created order in the world. Peace with the natural elements that the world created. As we read in the very first few chapters of Genesis, we see that peace was alive and well. Yet it didn't take very long for that peace to be disrupted. It's kind of like children uh, that think that they know better than their parents. Now, I know our kids don't think that of of me and Karen. I know that. But some kids, some that are out there, or, you know, that think that they know better than their parents. Well, um, Adam and Eve were this way, uh, thinking they kind of know better. And so they, they, they disregarded God's command to not eat from that one tree, just, just one tree. You can eat from every other tree. There, there's a lot for you. You know, as God said, in the Garden of Eden, you just don't eat from this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We know they did eat from the tree, the forbidden fruit. People think it's an apple. We don't know. It's just fruit, a, a type of fruit. We actually don't know. But it's forbidden fruit that they ate when God said, don't eat of that tree. But we did anyway. And that's where uh, peace was, was disrupted. And I want to say this uh, before we get to our next point, that I believe, or come to understand, that only God can have the full knowledge of good and evil, and still have peace. Only God is able to do that, to be aware of good and evil, and to still have perfect peace. So so God can handle it, but we can't. That's the story here. We can't handle that knowledge of awareness of both good and evil. It takes us off course. And that's what happened. That's what happens if we look back in the history of humanity. So our second point today is sin ruins peace. Prior to the forbidden fruit, Adam and Eve had unity in their marriage. Even though they were naked... You know, they didn't know any better. They were naked, uh, but they were at peace with how they looked. 
uh, we probably can't say the same, right? Yeah. You know, and I'm glad we all wore clothes today. But, you know, they didn't. They were at peace with how they looked. They had no shame. But after they ate, the power of sin and evil came in, entered into them and into the world. This was a death blow to peace. And now, now they're like, whoa, we're naked. Whoa. I mean, see, they were fine before. Just freedom and peace with no clothes on. They're fine. Now they're like, whoa. And they were shocked by their nakedness. Meaning, I think now, this has been a problem from then until now. Now, very self-conscious of how we look. We all struggle with that to this day, with how, we, with how we look even with clothes on, let alone no clothes on. You know what I mean? So now that piece of just who we are, how God made us, um, got ruined. And so um, after this happened, where there was unity in the marriage, now there's disunity. You know, that's, again, happens to this very day. We all struggle with that. We want to be unified, but disunity is right there, creeping in. Conflict is right there, creeping in. And just like Adam and Eve now felt guilt, and they hid from God. They didn't want to walk with God as they were doing. They were hiding in the bushes. They were hiding from God. And now there's a feeling of guilt and if you read those first few chapters of Genesis, there was finger pointing. There was blame now. Yeah, she did it. He did it. You know, like. <laughs> and so now we have separation, disunity, conflict, blame, and guilt in their relationship with each other and their relationship with God. So here's the story. Sin and peace do not coexist very well. A verse from the Bible that I've, I've actually heard kind of uh, in different movies over the years is from, from Isaiah. It comes from Isaiah 48, verse 22. That the Lord says, There is no peace for the wicked. You've probably heard this verse or something like it out there over the years. There's, there's no peace for the wicked. So when we stay in a sinful state apart from God, we will not have peace. And the Bible refers to this as living in the sinful nature, or another term is living by the flesh. Those are two kind of biblical terms that talks about this, this life apart from God, on our own, doing our own thing. I want to look for a moment at Romans chapter 8. Verses 6 and 7. And this is kind of that, that mindset. Uh, that the mind governed by the flesh or the sinful nature is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and, here it is, peace. Life and peace coming by the spirit of God. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. 
It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So basically here, when our minds are attuned to God, when we're, our hearts are open to hearing God's word, there can be life and peace. Amen. But when our minds are governed by sin and kind of forgetting God and his ways and his word, we, you know, we're just going to go the way of the world, our own way, well, then there is conflict, hostility, and ultimately, the great ultimate is death. So I believe that Adam and Eve prior to the fall were to live forever here on earth. But God said, if you eat from that tree, he said it plainly, he said, if you eat from that tree, surely, surely you will die. He told them of the consequence. So, we have this big problem of sin. It's a big problem. How can we have peace? We have this problem of sin that's so pervasive for each of our lives. None of us are immune to this. And so, in the course of human history, God knew that he would have to take decisive action against this problem of sin. If there would be any hope for us to have peace. See, in, hear this out. There's, just, there's two sides of it here in what God does to bring this about. See, first, in God's righteousness, he knew that he would have to punish and judge sin. That's like the truth. Like, okay, you've done wrong, punish. And here's the thing. A lot of people are like, why would God do that? Well, here's the thing. We're the same. We're the same in the world. You know, in human courts, right? we want the guilty to be punished. Everyone does. That's, that's, that's human nature. You think like they, they, they should get what they deserve for what, okay? Yet, God is also rich in mercy and wanted to bring reconciliation in the broken relationship with him, wanted to bring peace. So needed to judge sin, needed to condemn sin within the human race, but also wanted to bring peace and reconciliation. This is what God the Father did through Jesus, his Son, our Savior. This is what he was able to do. In no other way between heaven and earth could this be done than through his Son. Point number three is a summary, or it's one way to think about the gospel, which is the good news message. God has made his peace once for all through, say it with me, his son. You know, in the world we want uh, many ways. And everyone's like, he has his way, she has her way to God, everything. But God said, there's one way. There's one way. It's through my son who's come into the world. And in John 3, verse 17, We hear the good news that for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. It's that saving out of sin that brings peace 
with God. A sense of peace within for the guilt that we all have. We all, from pew to pulpit, <coughs> sin and guilt. Things we've, we've done, not measured up. Not, see, not just to God's standard, but here's the thing. Not even to our own standard. There's a lot of times we do things where we're like, I can't believe I did that. See, we have a problem actually not even making it to our own standard every day of what we know we should do. That's just the truth. It, Jesus came to save. He's awesome. He came to save us. Acts 10, verse 36 because you know the message God sent to the people of Israel, and really through Israel and then to the world, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. We quoted Isaiah out of the Old Testament last week. He's one of the prophets, again, of the, of the Old Testament, of the nation of Israel, trying to bring God's word and God's way to the people. Um, want to quote from Isaiah again this week, out of Isaiah chapter 53, about how Jesus would bear our sin, you know, take care of the sin problem, and then bring peace. All in the same. Take on our sin, and bring us peace. And here's the thing. This is so clear. You can read through Isaiah 53. It's awesome. And you'll read and you'll be like, wow, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. In every line, that's Jesus. This is just one line. This is just one verse today, okay? But this was written 700 years before Jesus was born. Looking ahead to what our Savior would do. So, but he was pierced. For our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Healed of the sin sickness. The punishment that we deserved, he took on himself. So there could still be justice between heaven and earth. There could be justice. And he said, I'll satisfy the justice. Father, I will go and I will save. Jesus was our sin bearer upon the cross. He took our judgment in our place. That's good news. That's good news. People think God's here to condemn, condemn, condemn. It's actually not true. God the Father always said the condemnation for sin has been brought forth in the atonement in Jesus upon the cross. And now he actually wants us to realize there's good news now. There's good news for all who willingly, freely have faith in him. So, as we come to a close here, we have to recognize God is our ultimate peacemaker. 
He wants to make peace with everyone. That's the Father's heart, to make peace, be reconciled, receive his forgiveness, have a new life that starts today and goes on forever, forever and ever. So we often hear the phrase, and I'm not saying this is totally wrong here. I'm just kind of interesting. We often hear the phrase, hey, you need to make peace with God. And I'm not saying that's a totally wrong statement here. It's just kind of our colloquial language, make peace with God. But here's the thing. From what I read in the Old and New Testament, I believe it's God who's already done the work to make peace with us. He's already done it. He said it is finished. He's he's done the heavy lifting. He's done it to make the peace with us. You see, we're going to talk more next week or one of these next two weeks about how we are called to make peace with one another and how we do that. But this is something that we couldn't just make the peace between us and God. We weren't good enough, strong enough. Only God could make the peace with us. And that's why Jesus came as the Prince of Peace. So you don't have to work for it. Don't try to make this peace. Recognize he's made the peace already. And now you receive it by faith. And you just say thank you. That's all it is. Say thank you. So from the wood of the cradle to the wood of the cross, Jesus came as a peacemaker, dying for the sins of the world, reconciling us with God the Father, bring us back again. So Jesus brings peace one life at a time. One life at a time to each of us. To every soul that simply surrenders and believes. So as we close, is today that day? Maybe you've already done it, but is today the day where you fully surrender to God and just believe in the Lord Jesus as your Savior? The Bible always talks about today, not tomorrow. It says today. Today is a day of salvation. It's a day of forgiveness. It's a day of peace. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this good news message that you brought to the world and you brought to each of us today. Lord, that you didn't come to condemn, you came to save. Lord, you want us to come back to you. Lord, may the call go forth to every person today, that call through you, Holy Spirit, working deep within, if it is needed today, either to recommit to you or to commit to you for the first time. And to say, Lord, I need your forgiveness. 
I thank you for what you've done. Cleanse me. Make me whole. Make me new. Help me to walk with you. Lord, I want your peace, both now and for all eternity. Bring your saving grace, Lord, to each person, each soul. Bring your forgiveness and bring your peace. It's in your name, Jesus, we all say, Amen.